Hello, and welcome to Dwelling on Dreams, where two passionate Harry Potter fans dive deep to examine the wizarding world. I'm Taylor, a Ravenclaw. And I'm Victoria, a Hufflepuff. Thank you for joining us. For those of you who haven't read the books or seen the movies yet, what are you doing listening to us? Please, go and do that now, because if you stick around, you can expect spoilers ahead. Today on Dwelling on Dreams, we are going to be talking about family legacies within the Harry Potter universe, and looking at two families in particular. You'll have to listen to find out who. But before we get into that too far, we wanted to take a quick second and wish a very belated birthday to Severus Snape on the 9th. He would have been 60 if he had lived past the Battle of Hogwarts. Um, he actually ended up dying at 38. Which is so weird because you think of Sirius and Severus and Remus as being older than right. 38, at least in their 40s. They feel that way. Yeah. And I think part of it is because... The movies. The actors themselves are I mean, older not that than... we're like super complaining about Alan Rickman and Gary Oldman. No, we, I think that they are wonderful actors and yes. were perfect for their roles. But yes. it does give you a little, a little bit of a skewed idea of yeah. how old they actually are in the stories. Yeah, they were a little bit older when they first got the roles. Working through about 10 years on these films. I mean, yeah. you I age. Mean, I think Alan Rickman was in his 60s through most of it. I think he was in his 50s when he got cast. And then he was in his 60s when it finished. Yeah. And again, I love Alan Rickman. Oh, no oh, complaints. Yes. He's a great Snape. But uh, anything, especially considering he never read the books. Right. Anything with Alan Rickman in yeah. it and I am there. Galaxy but. Quest. Galaxy Quest. Yes. Okay. If anybody knows that and you're a fan, please let us know because that one of a, the best movies of all time. Yes. Tim Allen, Alan Rickman, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Yes. I mean, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's worth it. Yes. This Moving week, our, our first segment after the Wizarding Wireless News is going to be another Wit and Wisdom segment. A quote from Dumbledore again. We're going to give him the next quote as well. He's just so quotable. He is. She gives him all of the opportunities to impart wisdom. So this is his imparting wisdom to Harry at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm -hmm. After uh, Harry had thought that his father was alive, he had seen him. And then he realized later that it was he had seen himself. Time. Time travel time is a little yes. trippy yes and so dumbledore is comforting him as he you know accepts the fact that his father yes is in fact dead and dumbledore says you think the dead we have loved ever truly leave us you think that we don't recall them more clearly than ever in times of great trouble your father is alive in you harry and shows himself most plainly when you have need of him harry has no family throughout the series it's one of the big themes actually it informs the rest of the series so he has family it's yeah. just not great family <laughs> wait let, let's be clear here <laughs> he has relatives he has relatives he just he does not have any like immediate family and no one who actually truly loves him and looks out for his well-being that is a related family member we have to clarify that and that isolation really drives a lot of the plot because it lets harry get away with things that actual <laughs> kids with actual parents who are involved and care <laughs> care about them but never let them get away with and puts them in situations that a parent would protect him from but he is the last of a great pureblood family the potters obviously and he never really delves into that heritage during the series mm -hmm. which has caused some confusion <laughs> because he doesn't really address who his grandparents are who his aunts and uncles are he sees them in the mirror of ears said so he knows that they existed he sees he says old men with you know this his knees and you know things like that but that's really the only glimpse we see and so really people have kind of created his family for him in right. the harry potter fandom <laughs> to varying levels of success yes until finally jk rowling came out with the information on pottermore about more about his grandparents right his great-grandparents etc yes one of the 
big prevailing theories is that his grandmother was a woman named Doria Black, who then married a man named Charles into mm-hmm. the Potter family. Mm-hmm. And this idea has almost become fact in people's minds. It really has, actually. Like, the amount of things that I've read that had that actually stated. The thing is, uh, before J.K. Rowling came out on Pottermore with his actual grandparents, which right. we'll get to in a second, it never occurred to anybody that this was not correct because it just seemed so pervasive. Yeah. When we realized that, uh, we were like, where did this idea come from? Was it just someone somewhere thought it would be cool if his grandmother was a black and then just made it happen and it became internet famous? And yeah. That's not true. It's not what happened. Oh, how did it happen? Well, in the movies, you see a brief glimpse of the black tapestry, which has all of the black family tree in it. And there's a glimpse of Charles and Doria Potter and then like an unknown son, mm-hmm. blank space almost, but there's definitely a child there. Mm-hmm. And so some enterprising people. This is called looking for Easter eggs. Way too hard. <laughs> yes. We love the movies too, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, And that tapestry is hard to read. It's weird. Yeah. It's like all muted tones and graphic. And yeah. I'm sure people were just throwing names at it to make it look more populated when they were doing the movie graphics. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool. It'd be cool to have a Potter's related. I'm okay with accepting this. I mean, I was okay with accepting this until she actually came out with what it really was. So I'm okay with maybe Charles and Harry's grandfather were brothers. Or oh, yeah. I, th- I, I can believe that there was a Charles and Doria Potter who had a son mm-hmm. sometime in the family tree. But right. We do know now that it was not Harry's grandparents. Right. Harry's grandparents actually were named Fleamont and Euphemia Potter. Just terrible. Which is terrible names. Like J.K. Rowling, like she does some really good naming, but this was not one of her finest days. She knew this, by the way. Like in her descriptions of these names, she made fun of them. So she's a master of terrible wordsmithing on purpose. And I mean, the thing is, Harry's great, great grandfather's name was Henry. Who went by Harry? Who went by Harry? So Harry is a family name, which mm-hmm. is how he gets it, which was very interesting to me because I wondered where, you know, Harry was just kind of like pulled out of a hat or, you know, what. I thought it was just as a service of that one joke she makes at the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone where Petunia goes, his name is Harry, nasty common name. And then like three years later, Prince Harry is born. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I, I, I always thought it was just like she'd picked something that would be royal, but also common. Yes. Yes. Well, apparently Fleamont was named after his father's mother's maiden name because it was her dying wish. And his parents hated him. And his, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he was a Gryffindor, went to Hogwarts. That's where he met his wife. The biggest thing I think about Fleamont is that we're told that he invented Sleek Easy's hair potion, which, if you remember correctly, Hermione uses in book four right. for the, the Triwizard Ball. So that could be a very much contributor to the Potter family fortune. Right. It's kind of implied that they weren't rich before this. Right. Actually, they got the name Potter from an ancestor who was this like simple gardener and the muggles around him called him Potterer and so eventually became the Potters. So yeah. they were not noble origins. They were pretty down to earth for a pureblood family. Right. Yeah. They actually weren't included in the Sacred 28, even though they were purebloods. Yes. Because. Which is very interesting because most people think that they were included in the Sacred 28. Right. Take the Sacred 29. Yes. <laughs> Unless there are others that aren't included, which is possible. Right. The Potters were excluded because of their stance on Muggles and Muggleborns. Harry Potter, the first Harry the Potter. First Harry. Harry Potter the first? Yes, the original Henry Potter was part of the, was in Gamut at the time, I mm-hmm. believe, that the, the list was written. Right. The person who wrote the list was a blood purist, and 
because of Henry Potter's very non-blood purist stances in the Wizen Gamut, uh, he excluded him from the Sacred 28, even though it was totally inaccurate. The Sacred 28 would include the Abbots, the Averys, the Blacks, the Bulstrodes, the Burks, the Caros, the Crouches, Follies, Flint, Gaunt, Greengrass, Lestranges, Longbottoms, Macmillans, Malfoys, the Knots, the Ollivanders, Parkinsons, the Pruitts, Rosiers, Rolls, Selwyns, Shacklebolts, Shafiks, Slughorns, Travers, Weasleys, and the Yaxleys. Of course, this is only the British purebloods, not an exhaustive list of all of them in the world, but we do sure. meet many of them throughout the series. Yes. Follies and the Shafiks are the only two that we never hear anything about at all. The rest of them, we either like hear about somebody dying before one of the wars or we actually do come to meet one of the family. So Fleamont Potter, Fleamont and Euphemia, they married, they had trouble having a child, thought they weren't mm-hmm. ever going to have a child. And then they had James very late in life. So he was born in 1960 and was very pampered. Yes, that is <laughs> something a point that a is lot. made. It very much does. Yeah, because they had such a hard time conceiving. It makes sense that then he would be overindulged as a child mm-hmm. and create something of a bully slash arrogant demeanor within him. Yes, yes. It also says that shortly after James and Lily got married, both Fleamont and Euphemia succumbed to dragon pox, dying within days of each other. Yeah, so... They are gone by the time Harry is born, Mm -hmm. which is very sad, but seems to be a theme for the pureblood families around Harry's generation. A lot of them seem to have died out. I mean, a lot of them seem to have dragonpox, so maybe it was just this epidemic. Must have been an epidemic. Yeah. And there was a war as well. So (laughs) there's not many people that are much older than like Lucius Malfoy. I mean, obviously certain key players like Hagrid and Voldemort. Yeah. And I mean, you have minor players death eaters yeah rookwood he was older because he was at hogwarts with voldemort dolohov mm-hmm. dolohov yeah. was older so we see we see a few but most of the main players besides again the big ones dumbledore voldemort yeah yeah, yeah. are a middle-aged and younger mm-hmm. set anyways you see a lot of these older pureblood names like potter malfoy black that seem to have dwindled into these smaller families and for whatever reason, Dragonpox, the war, uh, we're left with very age. <laughs> intermarrying. Mm. I think that that's another implied theme that the purebloods, the old guard or whatever you want to call it, is kind of starting to die out. Not just because they're physically dying out, but because they're starting to mix in. They're starting to mm-hmm. adapt to the world, stop marrying their cousins and siblings. You know, it might be the why that there's a decline in the wizarding population. Figure out that whole inbreeding thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we're left as particularly with the Potters and the Blacks. We're down to one. They're really the only ones that they actually say Sirius Black is the last of his line mm-hmm. and Harry is the last of his. But the way those houses dwindle is very, very, very different from one another. Yes, I would agree. So do we want to take a look at the two houses? Do we want to look at the Blacks first? Sure. Uh, we talked about how Fleamont and Euphemia Potter overindulged James. Mm-hmm. I think the Blacks took a slightly different approach to child rearing. Yeah. Based on Sirius and Regulus. Oh, <laughs> poor Sirius and Regulus. It's never quite stated what their parents did to them. We're kind of led to believe that they hurt them, or at the very least, were very, very controlling. But Sirius never goes into graphic detail, so we're kind of left somewhat to our imaginations. Yes. So Sirius and Regulus's parents' names were Orion and Walburga. 
again great name great name (laughs) and she lives on into the series through a portrait it's wonderful Orion is kind of given the persona to us, at least of being a bit of a like security nut. Sirius says something about the protections of Grimmel's place. My father put every security measure known to wizard kind on it when he lived here. They apparently were not Death Eaters, but Sirius says that they definitely agreed with the dogma that was propitiated by the Death Eaters. Right. Definitely pureblood supremists. Wanted to get rid of Muggleborns, have purebloods in charge, but they actually didn't officially join in. But they did support Regulus, Sirius's younger brother, when he decided to join up. Mm-hmm. They were all for it. I think it's very interesting that, you know, it was a cause that they were behind and interested in, but they weren't willing to put themselves on the line. They were willing to put their son on the line. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's true of lots of things. You can admire something and support it and agree with it without actually getting off your butt and doing anything about it. Like, yeah, but to actively push your child towards it. I mean, I guess we kind of a little bit established that there was not a lot of familial love here <laughs> in this relationship with either son, I really think. Even though Regulus was their perfect pure-blooded Slytherin, did everything that they wanted him to do son, I don't necessarily think that that made them love him. I have wondered whether his relationship with his parents and how messed up it was. I mean, they were all gung-ho for him to be a Death Eater when it was obviously dangerous mm-hmm. and clearly something he wasn't really ready for based on mm-hmm. how he died I mean, he was what like 16 17 when he well first i think probably i mean not when he died i think he was a little bit older but not much he signed up after he graduated hogwarts okay. i mean because everybody was like a huge deal in malfoy like it was given the dark mark mm-hmm. at the age of 16 so i assume that's like a really big exception anyway i don't know whether this factored in when he died the fact that he would be going against them and disappointing them and he just didn't know how to do that because when regulus died he didn't really need to. Regulus found out about Voldemort's Horcruxes, which is actually very impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it I mean, wasn't like he did some sort of masterful feat, but... No, but I don't believe anybody really would say that the black boys were stupid. No, they weren't. And Creature didn't know what it was that Voldemort had hidden when he gave back the report. Okay, let's start speaking. Yeah. Voldemort asked Regulus to borrow his house elf Creature mm-hmm. for a task. So Creature went with Voldemort to the cave where Voldemort hid the locket. locket. Horcrux. Yes. And Voldemort makes Creature drink the potion that is in the basin where the locket will go. Someone has to drink the potion before him. This is like a pain potion. It's like a nerve end. We're not really 100% sure. It's implied that there's some sort of like memory. Yeah. It, it makes you relive your worst it's experiences. Like, yeah, pain. Pain yeah. on all fronts. Bad. Bad. Bad potion. And then puts in the locket and then resets it with more potion. Right? right. Voldemort left him there to die. Voldemort did not expect a witness to this. Yes. Yes. But Creature survived. Because Regulus had told him, given him a specific order to come home after you're done with the Dark Lord. Ah, okay. I forgot that So part. if he had, he actually probably would have died if Regulus hadn't specifically said, said come, come back. So anyway, but Creature, Creature comes home mm-hmm. and Regulus finds him and sees how bad of a state he's in and has him bring him back to the cave. Right, because Regulus does actually care about Creature. Mm -hmm. While Sirius hates him with a burning passion, the (laughs) other brother had a different relationship with him. True, true. And Creature does care about Regulus, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he loves Regulus. So, anyway, Regulus figures out kind of what has gone on, what happened. 
creature doesn't know that it's a horcrux. There's no way for Regulus to know that just from looking at it. So he had to have to have some impressive and very covert investigation to mm-hmm. figure out that it was a horcrux. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know there were more. I don't think he uh, just yeah. thought it was the he only just, one. Yeah, he so had to go find out. He had to go figure on. out what's going on. Then go back and drink the potion. And replacing it with the other locket, filling it up again. Although I'm unclear how that worked, but this is part of the narrative. And then he ended up passing because he went to go get a drink of water from the lake and the inferi that were living in the lake dragged him in and drowned him. Right. Was Creature there when he died? And my thing is, how did the locket get back with Creature if Creature went home before Regulus did all of that? Let's look it up. Creature says he drank all the potion and Creature swapped the lockets and watched as Master Regulus was dragged beneath the water. He ordered Creature to leave without him. Drinks the potion, swaps them out, tells Creature to destroy the original and then Creature just watches him get killed because he had been told to leave without him. I think Regulus thought the pain potion would kill him or the Dark Lord would find out and kill him. But the thing is, he'd already proven that Creature could apparate him out. That's why I've always thought Regulus did not have to die. Yeah. Yes, he would have had to go into hiding. Yes, there would have been consequences for what he did. But there was no reason for him to be left behind by Creature. Mm -hmm. Except I think his family messed him up good. Yeah, I think he probably didn't think he deserved to. Where would he go to? Where would he go? Sirius and he had no relationship at that point. His parents were all gung-ho for Voldemort. And I think that he knew disappointing his parents left him with few options. And he just gave up. Just so sad. It is. I want to meet Regulus. I know. I think he probably has one of the more tragic stories. Yeah. In the series. I like his redemption story better than I like Snape's. And maybe it's because Regulus died young and therefore he didn't have to work through all the things that Snape did. Right. He never had to be kind and actually figure out how to function as a human who used to be a Death Eater. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and still has those prejudices in many ways. Mm Like yeah, Snape had I mean, to. there was nothing in there of Regulus coming around and thinking that Muggleborns actually had a place in wizarding society or anything like that. Like, we don't know yeah. about yeah. that. It just we seemed... just know he didn't like the treatment of his house elf mm-hmm. and that he found out what a Horcrux was and realized what dark magic that was and didn't right. want Voldemort to live forever. I think that Regulus is a very, very interesting character. And really, I, that's more to me the death of the black line than Sirius because Regulus would have cared about carrying on the family. Mm-hmm. Sirius really didn't. Not at all. <laughs> Even at that point, he was not going to be the person who resurrected the House of Black. No. The last of the black line, I feel like, was Regulus and Sirius kind of just hung on for a while. Yeah, I would agree with that. As far as Orion and Walburga went, Orion died the same year as Regulus, two years before Sirius was thrown into Azkaban. So we got this one family who lived in a house that was dark and dank and opulent, but also kind of tried to kill everybody and who were kind of going mad based on the fact that they cut off their servants' heads and mounted them on walls. Which was apparently a great honor yeah, to those poor. servants. Then they, they get down to this one family who are inbred. Yeah. And parents die off. Regulus chooses to die in a heroic fashion, but still chooses mm-hmm. to die and then Sirius dies in battle and i'd forgotten until recently that scene in order of the phoenix when harry and dumbledore are in his office after Sirius dies and they're talking about it and phineas nigelis realizes what they're talking about and kind of 
has a little bit of meltdown, which he's always been kind of stoic and, you know, sarcastic and wry. But they, he says, wait, are you telling me that the last of my line is dead? And they say yes. And he like freaks out and leaves to go check the house because he doesn't really believe them. Mm-hmm. That really more than a lot of other things impresses on me how much not just purity of blood, but their actual family. Because Phineas did not like Sirius mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. But he was he was really upset when he realized that Sirius was gone because that was the last of his family. And really, there is nothing else left. Sirius left the Black's fortune and house to Harry, which most of them would have hated. Mm-hmm. But that's why he did it. And also to take care of Harry. But yeah, a big, big reason. Yeah. But you have this once proud and powerful, we're led to believe anyway, house that kind of just goes quietly into the night and there's nothing left of it. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, we have the Potters. You also do, to be fair, dwindle down to one person at one point. They do, but that one person is able to revitalize the line. We're kind of led to believe that they didn't place nearly as much importance on their family possessions and right. Lily and James Didn't were living see. in a cottage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like what we said before, where they started off with humble origins, I think that's something that kind of carries on through. And they were able to have a bit of money from the hair potion and things like that but we're not ever led to believe that it's super substantial fortune and they never seem to be caught up in material things i think the only thing is the cloak yeah i mean harry talks about in the third book you know he really really wants to buy himself a firebolt but he's like no i have to make this money last until i get a job so it implies that while yes he's wealthy and he can support himself for several more years it's not like he can just live large for those years and be okay right although this seems like a bad idea to give an 11 year old control over his own finances but that's another topic (laughs) i know it worked well because she wrote it that way but that's also his personality is to be a little bit more cautious and conservative because he had nothing so i think he understands the importance of saving it for a rainy day right but the thing is if he hadn't had that personality whose responsibility would have been to step in and tell him stop spending money or bail him out of the situation if he spends all of it yes i mean so you have harry who goes through all of these trials obviously which is why we have the book series and he marries jenny and they have three children and And assumedly they go on to have their own children as well yes which leads to a rebirth of the potter line right again we're not really told why it all came down to harry why doesn't he have cousins or aunts and uncles even if they're not potters some relatives Right. right apparently does not they're all dead which is very sad for the wizarding world and a terrible commentary on the effects of the wars. We're kind of given the impression that the Blacks and other people with families like the Gaunts paved the paths of their own destruction. Right. We're not given that impression with the Potters. Right. The Potters seem to be wholesome. They didn't hate. This is very generalization. We don't believe that every member of every family was like this, obviously. But as a rule, the Potters seem to be open and accepting. And I mean, they didn't have a blood vendetta against a certain subset of the wizarding population. Right. I mean, like, yeah, they, they were wholesome. They they were on the side of the light. And they still deeply cared about family. James's birth was big to them. They right. carried on the and line. I think, and even, like, family that wasn't their own, they cared about Sirius. When he had to leave his home at age 16, they took him in. And right. they treated him like a son. He, he thought of them as his real parents, in a way. Yeah. You know? So I think it was obviously not a main point of the books, but it was a subtle little hint that love leads to prosperity versus Mm -hmm. hatred leads to destruction and to misery. I've had this thought recently. If they could look into the future and see the last of their line, what would the Potters think? Mm. How would the last Potter heir look to them? Because you got to imagine that he doesn't really look like a Potter. I mean, not physically, but he's not raised by them. He has no connection to his past. Like I said, he doesn't really even research it. 
So what do you think would be different about Harry if he had had that family, the Potters specifically, to raise him and teach him about the world? I think we would see a more self-assured and confident Harry. He does tend to be very intuitive and take leaps, but I think he might have more rationale or confidence in his decisions. I think we would see maybe a bit of an arrogant Harry. You know, we see the tendencies in that with his father and mm-hmm. no, never I agree. really like get word of that being kicked out of him. You know, I think he would still have the same compassion he has for people of all different walks i think we might see a little bit more prejudice against purebloods especially early on do you think they would be weirded out by the fact that he was immersed in muggle culture and he wasn't even wizard raised i think that might be something where they would have a little bit of a hesitation about it they they obviously accepted lily and we don't have any record of them holding anything against her we know they're not prejudiced against muggles or anything like that but i do think they would be a little sad that, that their air wasn't raised. their air wasn't raised with their same traditions and, and and even like aside from the fact that wizard raised raised by people who loved him maybe that's my hufflepuff side but um, i'm sure I, that they would have cared about that yeah i think they would be horrified mm. that he would have been raised with people who treated him as awfully as his aunt and uncle and that were really family and technically by blood and treated him that way yeah i think that would have been horrific that would be horrific for me as parent we delve into that in one of our more recent blog posts if you want to check out yes how definitely. how and why harry ended up with the dursleys i guess i've always just thought that harry being the last of his line is a little bit sad because he's not indicative of the potter family and it makes me sad that their line died out and yes it's very happy obviously that harry's alive and he can carry it on but that there's probably a very rich history there even if it is more humble than, say, the Malfoys or the Blacks, that he, at least by the end of the series, has not tapped into. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, in my head, hope that he does some research and at least tries to preserve his family's legacy in a way that there's no one else left to do. Right. Right. And I think, honestly, he would be curious enough to do it. If not, Hermione might would do it for him. That would be something I could definitely see happening. There's a lot of things that I think Harry, I don't know if he did it or not, but should have done after the war like loose ends that even small things that happened to him throughout mm-hmm. his first seven years that as an adult looking back saying okay I want to fix this or I want to get closure on that mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that he might have said okay I'm going to take some time and actually figure this out understand mm-hmm. who I am who I come from yeah and that's all for today Thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit dwellingondreamspodcast.com to subscribe to the show. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. And if you like what we're doing, you can show your support with a review or on our Patreon page. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to stay tuned for our next episode out in two weeks to hear more from a Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff dwelling on dreams. Dwelling on dreams.